Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us is somebody that even though he's a regular every week on the show, Nate, I don't think we've talked to each other for a while. I was gone. You were up hunting. So we've had some fill-ins. It's been a little different. So good to talk to you again. You too, Terry. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, drawing that sheep tag has somewhat consumed my life. So I've put uh, a lot of energy and focus on that. But uh, I'm actually in Denver today hosting our last Don't Bash a Trash uh, carp tournament for the season. Uh, I came off the mountain yesterday, and I will be uh, headed back up the mountain this evening, back uh, back up the sheep camp. So, All right, you know, great, great to talk to everybody. All right, well, you cut out a little bit, but I think they got the gist. And let me let me go through. I think that. You know, Nate, you're one of our hunting experts. You do a lot. You always do our elk scouting. You're, we rely on you for a lot of that because you're out there. You understand it. You guide for it. And you've harvested dozens of big game animals, some with a firearm, but a lot of them with a bow. And, of course, your wife has harvested a few more species than you, <laughs> but we won't, we won't get into that yet. But drawing this sheep tag, you know, getting a sheep tag is a rare, rare, rare opportunity and I know that you have do- you dove into this as far as physical conditioning, scouting, equipment preparation, and so far you haven't got it. But bring us up to speed. Have there been opportunities? How are you feeling? Yeah, you know it, it's great. And I got to say that it's uh, there's no doubt. I, I took it to the extreme. Um, you know, so like for an idea, going into this hunting season, um, I'm 22 pounds lighter than I normally would be going into an average hunting season. So I definitely jumped on the whole fitness kick and the diet and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, um, I'm beyond glad that I did because I'm you know I'm literally seven days into the season right now. And I'm probably as physically beat as I've probably ever been um, to where if I hadn't done the, the extra physical stuff, um, it would be pretty rough, uh, to be totally honest with you. It would be, be very, very rough. So I'm excited I did. You know, right now I'm probably hiking anywhere between 14 and 16 miles a day, uh, you know, up in some of the, the gnarliest country, you know, Colorado can provide. Um, I've been chasing some, some world-class sheep, to be honest with you. Um, there's a lot of sheep, and the area that I drew is very large, um, and I have opportunities at multiple bands of rams. Um, and right now I've been hanging out where more of the, uh, I'd say, the larger breeding stock is, so I'm hanging out with a lot of the, the biggest rams of the unit, per se. Um, you know, there's a lot of age. I'm chasing, you know, eight to 14-year-old to rams. Um, so, I mean, they are they're the, the glory of, of rams. And with that being said, they're smart, they're educated, and it's a, it's a lot harder, I'd say, than I anticipated the hunt being. Um, but with that said, I've kind of defied a lot of stuff, and I've had some opportunity. I actually had a miss. Uh, opening day. So last Saturday was opening day of the sheep season, uh, and I actually had a miss. So uh, over the course of about 12 miles, I drew back on this really unique ram. Um, you know, he's uh, he's really wide. This ram that I chased this opening day, I watched him for three, four days and hunted him opening day. Um, from the side, he appears to be a three-quarter curl ram. It's not really broomed off ends, but he's really probably well over a quarter, but he very flares out, really Really neat-looking ram, something I've never really seen before. Um, and over 12 miles, I drew back on him three times. Uh, third time was the charm. I actually put him to bed, uh, 
snuck up on him on his bed. He was actually starting to fall asleep. But unfortunately, I had to shoot off of a cliff. So I was shooting at a 53-degree angle, uh, so very, very severe angle. I had to shoot a 57-yard shot, um, and I had to shoot in 50-mile-an-hour wind. I actually sat for 10 to 12 minutes on top of him, um, and I finally had a break in the wind. So I just kept timing it and timing it. It was blowing you know, well over 50 miles an hour, and it finally settled a little bit between gusts. Um, and literally right as I released and let that arrow fly, I had another wind gust come up and uh, pushed my arrow straight down, and I missed him by about an inch. Um, so just absolutely heartbreaking to, to, one, train that hard, you have 15 years into a tag, um, and then miss, let alone miss uh, you know, the ram of, of a lifetime. But it's hunting. I think uh, everybody out there is probably listening, and we've all had uh, had some misses or had some, some issues in the woods. Um, so we got right back on it. And uh Saw some smaller rams uh, the second day of the season, then I actually went two days without seeing any ram. Uh, then had a, a really great stock on Wednesday. Uh, the, the ram actually caught me sneaking in a little over 100 yards and, uh, and, and missed that opportunity. But it's uh, it's been a ball. You know, amazing country. Um, definitely the hardest animal I've ever hunted as far as the best eyesight I've ever seen. And when they bed down midday, uh, they're virtually invisible. So, you know, the average sheep day, I have active animals until about 7.30 a.m., and they bed down until about 5 p.m. So there's a tremendous downtime in the middle of the day where you're just searching through your optics to try to find a bedded animal. Uh, but if you don't have one, you know, your odds of, of finding one of these animals while bedded is, is dramatically low, but you still you still try hard. So uh, it's great. You know, very physical, uh, you know, emotionally, physically. But uh, it, it's a ball. I'm very, very happy to be doing it. Well, a couple of things that got correct. You said all of us have had those times we missed. I actually <laughs> don't remember. I don't remember ever missing. You don't remember. Ever right. missing. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, and at the time... At the time, it can, especially if it's a you know, a, a huge or a special animal, it can be heart wrenching. But at the same time, those are the moments you hunt for, and and it isn't always the harvest. It's those moments, those opportunities, those sightings that work. I do have one good question for you, and then I want to move on to your carp fishing a little bit, or maybe where you go from here with the sheep, whichever you'd prefer. But um, all this extra work now, you're putting in because you're at higher altitude, you're putting in more miles. So it's taken its toll on you, but how much better of an elk hunter is this going to make you? There's no doubt. I'm going to go into the elk hunting season, I would say, probably with more ever seen and without a doubt, far more physical. Um, you know, so the ability to, to have the energy to hunt harder or go further in will be there. Um, and, you know, more just the, the patience uh, to work through some problems. You know, I'm always one that, that really hardly ever pushes the envelope. I always wait for the right timing. Uh, but I'll tell you, this sheep thing will, will definitely put more patience on you than anything else out there. Because, again, you're dealing with far less numbers of animals. And, again, just dealing with... Uh, you know, the average elk hunt, you know, we're doing maybe one mature bull and then a bunch of cows and a different group in the, in the herd. Um, as for a lot of these rams are in groups of anywhere as small as four, upwards to 13 to 14. So you're dealing with multiple animals that are all extremely aged, extremely seasoned. Um, you know, you're trying to sneak up on a group of these type of animals. So, you know, my stalking is getting better, but the physical aspect's getting better. Your patience is better. So there's no doubt I would say all aspects of this sheep hunt uh, will make you a better hunter in, in different categories of, of how you do that. Um, so that's exciting. And then as far as my plans for the future, you know, I, I've watched a lot of rams. Um, you know, to be honest, 
normally I pick an animal. It's kind of my thing. Uh, you know, normally I find one animal and I'm just going to chase this, this real big flaring wide ram uh, most of the season. But with a high-end tag, with an animal that I've already put some pressure on, um, I'm just trying to find a, a mature ram. You know, to be honest with you, it doesn't have to be the biggest one out there. If I can find a really mature, groomed-off three-quarter curl ram, um, I'm going to take that opportunity. So I'm I'm really wide open as far as that goes. So, you know, every day when I'm out there, I'm just trying to, to find the, the right opportunity. More than finding a ram, you want to find a ram that's in some territory that you can hunt. Um, like I said, some of the stuff, you know, I saw a ram actually on Thursday um, that was a, a mature ram in a group of four. Great, great situation, except for they were on cliffs. To where, number one, as a human, without ropes, you couldn't sneak up on these animals. Number two, if you did have the opportunity to, to kill one of these animals, um, you would have no chance of recovering it. You would literally have to have ropes to, to get it out of some of these canyons that are, that are sheer vertical. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of stuff. So you're trying to find a mature ram and finding an area that you can, that you can physically hunt it. Um, so that's kind of the, the goal is just to, to find the right opportunity, the right time, the right wind. Um, you know, have a little bit of luck on your side and, and go after it. You know, I'm actually getting texts right now about, about a miss, and that's something we want to talk about, too. I think everybody keeps telling me, like, man, why do you admit to having a miss? You know, you're supposed to, supposed to work with Botech and these companies, and I think everybody, again, maybe not everybody, maybe that they don't remember, but <laughs> most people have had had a miss or something like that. Um, I think it's important to talk about because it happens, you know what I mean? And to be honest with you, usually I get over things a little faster than I am this. I mean, I close my eyes and I can just watch that arrow drop and miss that ram. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose sleep and, you know, be at a puking level of nerves over that probably the rest of my life. But it's one of those things that happens. It's in the past. And um, I think on, on the side of hunting, we talk about it fishing all the time, how confidence is key, but the same thing goes in, into hunting. You know, if you, if you get up and you are psyched out already, if you don't have that emotional, that, that confidence of, Hey, I got to get it done. Um, it'll wreck you. So, so getting up and just getting past the mess or getting past even the average hunter, maybe you're not seeing anything or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, having the mindset to, to have the drive to you are going to succeed. Having that positive attitude um, is everything. So we talk about that. That's half the reason why we scout. You know, every show we talk about scouting. Um, and half the time, I mean, number one, you're building information, learning the research, learning the animals uh, to create success. But on top of that, you know, scouting really builds that confidence to where you know you're going to be successful. If you have that that that, that attitude uh, of achievement, you're going to be a much more successful hunter when it comes time to get out there in the woods, that's for sure. Oh, without doubt. And I think one comment, I don't want to dwell on it because I want to talk a little bit of fishing. One comment I, I want to make that I think you and I have done a lot of hunting in our lifetimes and probably felt we were in pretty good condition. I got a feeling that when you do elk hunt this year, it's going to be a revelation because we've been talking more and more, more and more about the physical fitness for the outdoors and how important it is. And it's no secret that I'm starting to get a gray hair or two myself and that uh, the physical conditioning is what allows me to still go fishing and do the things I do. It's so important. Nate, why don't you, instead of dwelling on maybe the bites, we got a couple guys coming up later. Let's talk a little bit about carp. You got that tournament going on and how much fun they can be. Absolutely, Terry. You know, we, we promote the, the general species of carp as the ultimate sport fish. And again, you know, people look at a carp and they, they talk about them as a trash fish, but in reality, it's one of the smartest fish out there. It no doubt fights harder than anything out there. I really don't know a fish that fights harder. Lake trout's close, but their stamina is, is still nothing compared to a carp. So, you know, they're, they're, 
fight harder. And the biggest thing is, if you're listening, you probably have a better carp fishery near where you live than any other species out there, more so than trout or bass or anything like that. So the, the everything lines up for this fish to be just the, the ultimate sport fish. Um, so we're, we created the whole series, Don't Bash Trash Carp Craze uh, Tour, just to, to highlight uh, the ability of an amazing sport fish. So we're out here, we're actually at the West Gravel Lake out here in Thornton, uh, again, doing a lot of different venues this year just to kind of mix it up. Uh, we have got a ton of anglers out here. There's some huge crew going on, um, and they're competing for uh, for quite a bit of money here. Uh, this whole event is brought to you by Fast Pro Shops. So there's Fast Pro gift cards. There's cash involved. Um, and these guys are head-to-head and backing it out. And there's actually two bodies of water that they're fishing here at Barton. Um, and uh, the bite was uh, was going first thing this morning. Now it slowed down again. And then mid-afternoon has actually been the peak for the bite the last few days out here, right around that noon, 1230. Uh, so we're really anticipating uh, a big swing in bites coming in that mid-afternoon. So it'll be a, a, a head-to-head chase right to that 3 p.m. buzzer uh, to see who the winner of this event is. All right. Now I'm going to have to let you go, but I could, I think next week or maybe in the next couple weeks, I want you to get into some techniques maybe so people can start carp fishing. And 30, 30 seconds, if you had to go fishing tomorrow and just catch some fish, where would you go? You know, Cherry Creek, the blade bait bite is absolutely on fire. The trout bite at Spinney is on fire. Both of those fisheries uh, you cannot lose with. All right. Good luck on on your quest, and we will talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon, Jerry. Thank you. All right, you're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage License by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 1200716. Okay, I don't think I like this bumper. We won't use this one again, Kyle. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite resources, he's a guide. He guides both local and up and down the Front Range. And he's the manager at Discount Tackle on South Santa Fe. And he's just an expert at keeping us informed of what's going on in fishing around Colorado, Austin Park. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. You bet. You know, uh, a lot of times people think these are the dog days of summer. And I think nothing less. I think that you've got about a six-week period where you get towards the end of July, middle of July, into maybe almost the end of August before you start really seeing fall transition, where the fishing, it may take a little more work, but it's very predictable. Absolutely it is, and that's exactly what we're seeing out on these local waters right now. You know, with the exception of some of our eastern plains lakes that are, are rapidly losing water this time of year, but on the Front Range at Chatfield, at Cherry Creek, at Pueblo, we're seeing very consistent conditions. There are a lot of bait fish. All these bait fish right now are on their summertime peak. There's massive schools of them everywhere. But at the same rate, if you can find the bait, which isn't very hard to find, you can find the walleyes. So, you know, the, the fishing has been, been pretty darn productive. Now, a lot of people will struggle when there's this much bait in the water because they're you have to compete with that bait. And sometimes it's match the hatch, but sometimes it's getting a reaction strike and not trying to feed the fish something that looks like looks like the bait they're eating. Is that what you're finding? It's absolutely true. And, you know, all of your standard early summer, late spring techniques, 
you know, such as pulling crawler harnesses, bottom bouncers, throwing jigs and bait, all are pretty much out the window this time of year. So you're just not being able to, to, to compete with that bait enough with that type of a presentation to have a lot of success. So on that same rate, we are adjusting our techniques, middle-of-the-day techniques. The trolling bite has been absolutely fantastic. But the biggest thing we're finding, you know, we were just talking about consistency. Well, the, the, the consistency of trolling, it's still there, but, you know, we're having to adjust each and every day. So we're adjusting our depth or, you know, our, our length back behind planer boards. We are adjusting our lure selection. Sometimes we're going brighter. Sometimes we're going a little bit more of a natural color. But things like flicker shad, salmo hornets, and shad wraps all have been producing. But in the early morning and late evening hours, so when we're starting to see the, the low light conditions, a lot of walleyes and all of these bodies of water are moving up fairly shallow, as in even shallower than five feet of water. And we are going and, and casting reactionary boots like jigging wraps and blade baits. You know, you and I were talking earlier in the week about how we're system those, but that is truly a fantastic technique from now until ice on. All right. Now, I want to make a couple quick comments here because you really got in my wheelhouse on this. First of all, my my column last week in the Denver Post, it's also posted on my Facebook page, uh, Terry, Wicks, uh, Terry Wicks from Outdoors on Facebook, was about power fishing versus finesse fishing. And we talked exactly what you just said about feeding them with a jig, which I talked about. My my strength is a finesse fisherman. That's always been. But I have to adapt these times of year because of bait, because of other situations. Power fishing means moving a lure a little faster, not giving them a chance to look at it, and getting them to react so you're not just getting a hunger strike, which overcomes some of that bait competition. And you also, you just mentioned that on these different lakes, you're having to find the fish and, and relocate and just stay per- consistent with it. And a lot of people go back to their memories. I caught walleyes at Cherry Creek on a jig and a minnow here all all through June. I can't do it now. And and it just isn't happening. And they stick with it. And what I hear is the fish aren't biting. Let's go through a couple bodies of water and you tell me what you're seeing and what's going on. Let's start with, um, we haven't covered this. We used to cover it extensively. A uh, Lake McConaughey, Big Mac. What are you seeing out there? Okay. So Lake McConaughey is, you know, just like all these other lakes, um, you know, on, on the plains, they're experiencing a huge, you know, bait plume this time of year. So now what's different about out there, however, is that not only are there gizzard shad, but there's also a bait fish called an alewife. And they are a, a long, slender minnow, and they're more represented with a bait like a reef runner or even a big jerk bait rather than, you know, your shad wraps or your flicker shad style bait. With that being said, though there's a lot of water out there, unlike Colorado, they're flushed with water out there, and, and the water levels are a lot higher than they have been you know, in, in years past. So there's a lot of trees that are in the water right now. And a lot of your big walleyes will be sitting in those trees. And you actually have to pull these cranks right at the tops of the trees. So it is a very, very fine-tuned bite. But now with that being said, along the dam face, a lot of guys have been throwing spinner baits to represent some of those alewives and have been having great success catching wipers, white bass, and even a whole bunch of catfish out there. So I'm hearing that catfish bite with the spinner baits and rattle traps on the dam has been great. You know what I do with a spinner bait? And I, I know as a tackle dealer, you're aware of these now, but I started doing this 20 years ago before manufacturers make this. I would take a bass or pike spinner bait and put a minnow-shaped bait or a swim bait on it with no skirt. And boy, I could pull some big walleyes out of some cover with that. 
You know, we've been doing some of the same stuff with some chatter baits as well, so a little bit different type of a presentation. But those chatter baits and a, and a minnow on the back, you know, a swim bait or or even a fluke with how much vibration they have on a side-to-side motion, those can be also very productive. To take us through, I know some of the eastern plains, like we're going to run out of time before we can cover everything. So take us through a few hot bites and a few places you might go fishing in the next few days. Yeah, so Jackson has been having the water level go down pretty substantially as of late, but the wipers have been pretty good out there from what I've been hearing. You know, a few smaller walleyes. Pueblo, down a little bit further south, obviously, but Pueblo has a lot of bait out there right now, and the trolling bite has been the, the main bite. So it's a little bit more difficult to fish things like blade baits and jigging wraps and shallow at that lake just because of how much shale there is in the water with it being a, you know, a canyon reservoir. So you'll get snagged quite a bit more. So the trolling has been very, very effective out there. And then staying in town a little bit more, but Aurora, you know, Aurora is different than all these lakes because it does not have a gizzard shad base. There is just a perch base out there. So the perch, there's a lot of little baby perch, but there's also a lot of good-sized perch as well. And these fish have been schooling up, uh, you know, really nice out there. Um, guys have been having some really good success catching them. Some days they've been having good success on a live bait-type presentation, throwing some small crawlers or minnows down there. But also drop-shotting plastics can be ultra-effective out there. And then we've mentioned jigging wraps already today, but that is a fantastic location to throw jigging wraps for your walleyes due to the fact that because of how clear the water is, those fish many times will be out in that 25 to 35, even 40-foot type range this time of year rather than at Cherry Creek up really shallow. So you can really get those jigging wraps down and, and cast them or even vertical jig them with a lot of success. Uh, well, I want to touch before we run out of time. We may run over a few seconds here, but... Um... One of the things you said about, I think that everybody thinks that when the water gets hot like this, the fish just go deep. And you can catch a lot of those smaller fish schooled up deep. And you talked about aurora being clear, and it is maybe the case because perch tend to be a basin fish, and that's their forage. But the shad yeah. aren't basin fish. They're pelagic, and they tend to bunch up by the shores where the, the uh, algae and photoplankton are. And some of the biggest fish are shallow. And people, you mentioned it before, but I think we need to make that point. Some of the biggest walleyes right now are going to be shallow. They really are. And, you know, the other thing that we've kind of found is, is you know, you'll, you'll catch a lot more fish when you're up shallow, not only because there's good fish there, but also there's less room for those shad to get away from those walleyes. So they'll push them against things. They'll push them against drop-offs and, and dam faces and even up shallow as well. So going up to that really shallow flat, maybe adjacent to a weed line, Throwing things like jigging wraps and blade baits, you can have some fantastic success. But it's kind of foreign because so many people are so used to going out there and trying to see these fish on the sonar and then catching them. Well, when you go up shallow like that, you're blind, almost blind completely. You're just seeing what the depth is. And past that, you're using the the lure on the end of your rod to locate the fish rather than your electronics. It really does come down to a power fishing technique and crankbaits and jigging wraps. And if you're going to fish a jig with a soft bait on it, make it a big one and snap it and keep it moving. The idea is to cover water, get in front of as many fish as you can and solicit a strike. We're out of time, Austin. One last comment. How do people find you? So they can find me down at the shop at Discount Fishing Tackle on Santa Fe or my phone number is 303-514-5546. All right, my friend, you have a good rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. All right, my friend back there. Now we're talking. That's great bumper music. You've redeemed yourself, Kyle. I'm proud of you. The only problem is I like the Eagles so much now Corey's having to wait. 
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by SunPower Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And speaking of Corey, who's on the line, uh, you should go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and go back about two, three weeks to my article on dove hunting. And it featured my conversation with Corey from Colorado Clays and, and how adamant so many of us that are on this show are about not getting ready to go hunting, but staying ready to go hunting hunting so that you're always prepared. And let's go to the phones now. And joining us from Colorado Clays is Corey. Good morning, Corey. Hi, Terry. It's a beautiful, what a gorgeous day. And we're not, I I don't want to jinx anything, but we're not supposed to have any of those evening storms for like three, four days at least now. So wouldn't that? Yeah, it's a great day. Karen and I were just chatting and it's almost like a little fall in the air today. It nice is. cool evening last night. Yeah, it's great weather. Oh, I love this. I love from now through the fall because the weather does tend to stabilize, and you get those cool evenings, those crisp mornings. Yet still warm enough to be comfortable, and it's usually sunny, and it's just everything outdoors is so great. And and you know, and once you start getting these cool evenings, people start thinking about hunting. They do. And we've been talking, and I mentioned the article I wrote for the Post a couple weeks back on getting ready for dove season. And by the way, I talked to Ed Gorman. He's the biologist out there for the Upland game. And he said, you can tell Doug I said this, but uh, Ed said there are so many doves in the Northeast right now. It's just phenomenal. But as fickle as they are, as soon as we get two cold nights, they'll be gone. Right, just, of course, just, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's just, smart. <laughs> yeah. but we want to tease Doug a little bit because dove hunting is like Christmas for him. It is, exactly. Yep, yeah. and it'll be here before you know it. And, you know, I know we want to talk about sighting in big game rifles, but, you know, the 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 upland game and the waterfall seasons, in fact, we're going to have a special in two weeks on waterfall hunting, so you guys might want to keep that in mind. And and just getting ready for that. But the shotgunning sports, dove season is just a couple weeks away. And really, it takes probably as much or more practice with those shotguns to be, especially dove hunting. My God, they're just ridiculous. But you really do need to get out and shoot and, and before you go. And, and know that your, your firearm is working correctly and you've got the clothes you're going to hunt on. All those things are important, aren't they? Yep, they're very important. And it, like you said, it's, it's not a matter of getting prepared. It's staying prepared. And it's interesting, the last few weekends at the range, I have definitely seen an increase in the people that are coming out to sight in their rifles and warm up for stuff. So it's definitely in the air. People are excited. Those, both those seasons will be here soon. And for speaking of the rifles, do you have a special program for that, I believe? Yeah, we sure do. Starting September 16th, every Sunday through October, we do a rifle sight-in clinic. And that's just to help people that either you know need to need help adjusting their scopes, um, just make sure their rifles are, are really tuned up and in good shape. Um, and we've got great staff, as you know, that can that walk you through the process of making sure that they're prepared and ready to go. There's information about those on our website, but those were really popular last year, so we are starting those in a few weeks on September 16th. Well, and the nice thing about those clinics too is that. First of all, if there's something not quite right, they're going to help you discover it. And maybe it's just an adjustment they can help you make or they can give you a few tips on something you're doing. Or maybe there's something they can say, you better take this to a gunsmith and get it fixed now because you want to make sure you can come back and get used to shooting it. Maybe your scope is loose. There's so many things. The other thing is that in your shooting range for your rifles, a lot of places you can only shoot 
from a bench on top of the on top. And you know, you can shoot actually from all positions at your range, I believe, including prone. Oh, sure. Yep, you can shoot prone. I actually had a lot of calls yesterday. That's a common question this time of year. You can shoot prone, and we do allow muzzle loaders also. So that's another uh, good thing to know for the rifle shooters. Why don't you describe that rifle range? I mean, it's pretty unique, and it's very easy, and it's great accommodating. Yeah, sure. So in each, we have 10 individual um, shooting uh, bays. There's a nice uh, bench rest in each, um, in each bay. We've got everything you need, extra sandbags. So there's not a lot of extra things that are required for the, for the shooter to bring. Obviously, their rifle, the uh, ammo, and eye and ear protection. Um, but we've got a monitor in each um, bay that shows your target at 100 yards. So it's not necessary to use a spotting scope, um, binoculars, or anything like that. And then we actually have it kind of set up where they can track their shots, use a dry erase marker on the screen itself, and it works out. It's really handy. Um, you know, our guests just love it. But the shooting canopy where you shoot from is covered on three sides, but from the shooter's position uh, downrange, it's open air and natural light. So it does – it's – Kind of the amenities of an indoor range, but actually, you know, an outdoor range with the natural light, which is good. All right. And then, of course, along with that, you have a pistol range, too. Tell me about that. Yeah. So the pistol range goes out to 25 yards. We have the automatic retrieval system where they can run their target in and out and set it at whatever um, distance that they want. And we've got 10 bays on there as well. So 20 bays total. When I shoot pistols, I usually go out to about two yards. Two yards. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty no. odds there. <laughs> well, then I put Karen's out to about 20. Yeah, there you go. Well, otherwise, she outshoots me. It's just terrible. <laughs> you know, we'll do a little practice, and at the end with our, our defense guns, I'll shoot. We'll go out seriously about about maybe 20, 30 feet just to do a, a last-minute shooting like you're in a stressful situation. And I'll, I'll shoot a circle that's maybe three inches across with three or four shots, and then she shoots four overlapping bullet holes. Well, it's just, it's does. disgusting, you know. <laughs> you know, um, but in that's open. What are the hours for the shooting range? We are open every day of the week except Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then for a few more weeks, we keep the rifle and pistol open uh, range open until 7 p.m. And it's actually half price. We do happy hour from 5 to 7 on Wednesday evenings. And that's a great time to, you know, use the range and save a little money. And then we also keep the... Um, Sporting Clays course open late on Wednesday evenings. Um, we'll do that through the month of October. And it's really fun to shoot Sporting Clays at, you know, in the evening. It's really pretty and still down there. So that's, that's kind of fun, too. And speaking, we talked about getting ready for Upland Game and Waterfall and Doves. And not only do you have Sporting Clays, but you have Skeet Trap and Wobble Trap. So you can really present the shooter with whatever he needs to sharpen skills for that particular type of activity. Right. And the Wobble Trap is great. I've seen an increase. We had a lot of people out this last week using the wobble trap to get ready for doves. So Yeah, there, you can't get ready for doves. You can <laughs> convince yourself that you are. Um, but it's a, I said in the article I wrote that with your interview a couple weeks ago that it's a conspiracy by the ammunition manufacturers <laughs> to sell more bullets. Before we let you go, though, you do some other things out there. you got a, you got some courses coming up. Can you tell me about those? Yeah, so we have a concealed, uh, our next concealed carry course is this coming Thursday the 16th. I just checked. We still have a few spots available for that. Um, and we also have some really great fundraisers coming up that are still um, have spots and they're open to the public. Um, next Sunday, we're doing a, 
uh, fundraiser to benefit all, an Alzheimer's Association. And we've got a few others listed on our website that are open to the public as well. You know, speaking of Alzheimer's, that's a subject that gets a lot of play here on the station because of the Bolin family. Um, Pat Bolin being one of the best owners in sport and, and his wife also all suffering from Alzheimer's. So anything we can do to benefit that is such a horrific way for end of life and uh, your family that if you can come out and have some fun shooting and support that, what a great cause. And, yep, no, I agree. Yep. And all that's on your website, right? It sure is. You give it coloradoclays.com? Coloradoclays.com. And do you have Facebook too? We sure do. Same thing, Colorado Clays? Yep, sure is. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Okay. As always, a lot going on there. Tell tell Doug there's lots of doves now, but that will change. <laughs> I know. I saw lots driving into the range this morning. So. All right. Thanks, Corey. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Corey from uh, Colorado Clays. Great people. Just, you know, they really take care of you. They're just super, super people. Um, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk a little more fly fishing before we go on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. One of my favorite, all-time favorite Eagles songs. Great song. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones. We've been talking a lot about the fly fishing conditions this summer because it's been a very unique one. And joining us to give an update from his area is Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes. Good morning, Kirk. Good morning. You know, it's been a little difficult in some of the lower rivers with the water temperatures, but you have access to some of the best higher altitude fishing where those rivers have stayed cold in throughout the state, right right in your backyard. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. The Rocky Mountain National Park has nice cold streams all the time. Can, let's start with the park, and then we'll talk about some others. But right now, how is the park fishing, and what's the access like? Uh, the park's about as good as it gets. Uh, right now for fishing wise access is a little tougher just because it's uh it's summer so you either want to get going early or get going late to get a parking spot and you probably want to try to come during the um during the the weekday if you could it'd be the best yeah weekdays are a lot easier sure. i was just up there looking around my one of my uh sons that lives out of state is in town and we took a little drive around on uh, we're uh, during a weekday and it was uh wasn't too bad actually getting in and i i was kind of Twitching because I didn't have my fly rod with me, though. And you and I have filmed a number of different types of activities in the park that you guys guide and cover a whole gamut. I've I've filmed where I've walked in, parked, and gone 50 feet from my car or truck and been fly fishing. And then I've hiked in with llamas carrying our gear with you on backcountry. And you and I have gone up on horseback. Is all that still available? It is, yeah. We can take you all over the place with all those. And you do backcountry trips just for camping, too, is that right? Right, right. We do overnight backpacking, llama pack, and horseback. Now, as far as just the fly fishing up there, what are you seeing on some of the different streams? Any particular type of presentations that seem to be shining right now, or is it changing depending on where you are in the park? Uh, no, it's pretty much about the same right now. We kind of got yellow sallies is kind of the main hatch coming off right now up there, and then ants and beetles and hoppers. Uh, for terrestrials are working great. Now, I think people don't understand sometimes, you know, a lot of the rivers in the park, the fish can be on the smaller side because of those, uh, the, um, you know, you get the high altitude and it's, they've got to work to feed up there. But some of the areas, even the rivers, and especially those higher alpine lakes can have some great trout. Yeah, those higher lakes, they can grow pretty good size, get all the way up to about 16 inches up there. 
Yeah, it's really good. So the park is fishing great. And if somebody wanted to book a trip to go into the park with you, can you do it on pretty short notice? We can. We can get you out even today. We got openings. Now let's talk about some of the other waters. Have you had some issues with rivers being a little warm? Have you had to kind of fish at different times? And talk about some of the other waters you cover. Let's start with the Big Thompson. Of course, that's a tailwater. It's probably been okay. Yeah, we're pretty lucky with the, the Thompson in the canyon. It's, it's Sometimes earlier this season it got a little warm, um, but right now it's it doesn't even get over um, barely into the 60s right now in temperature. So that and, tailwater keeps it cold. And how's it fishing? It's fishing great. Now the road is opening and coming through Loveland, too. Of course, you could get up at Lyons the whole time. Are you seeing, now they've been doing, I drove up and I saw there's been quite a bit of rechannelizing and stream reconstruction. Are you, the Upper part of the river's been fishing good since the flood, actually. But are you starting to see the fish populate down the river now? We are. It's it's uh, pretty much all the way down. There's still more fish up high, but the fish down low, there's less fish, so they seem to be a little bit bigger down lower. All right, so it's been, been good fishing. Any same type of presentations or anything different? Yeah, different down there. Uh, we're more nymph fishing, uh, a lot of pats, rubber legs, trailing them with little RS2s. And then uh, red quills on the surface have been working well, too. And, folks, if you ever do fish with Kirk, and I don't know about the rest of his guides, but he's adamant about not adding weight. You use tungsten bead nymphs for your weight and really try to make it natural, don't you? I do, yeah. I think that just makes it looks better to the fish, for sure. Well, you catch a lot of fish, so I'm not going to argue with you. (laughs) What about the Colorado and the St. Varane? Uh, There's probably been some issues on some of them. Yeah, in the park. No, well, the same, well, both. I mean, you fish yeah. St. Vrain down below the park. I sure has been warm, probably. Yeah, it, but it's pretty good down there near Lyons because it's coming out of Button Rock Reservoir, so it, it stays pretty cool there, too. Close you get to Lyons, of course, it would be warmer. Um, the Colorado on the on the west slope in the park is staying cool. Um, no problem catching fish over there right now, either. What about float trips? Are you floating the Colorado this we year? Are. We're going over on the Colorado right now. Um, they upped the flow on the blue. So the water is nice and cool, and it's fishing great right now down there. Actually, it's the highest flow we've had all year right now. Well, that's awesome, and the nights are getting colder, and and so that's helping. And the waters, we should be through the most drastic parts, and we should just see the fly fishing get better and better as we try progress through the through the next couple months. Don't you think? Yeah, this is kind of my favorite time just starting. So. Oh, it really is because you're you know we're going to get more stable weather. We're going to have those cool nights. Yeah, you get nice, comfortable daytime temperatures. And the fish are going to start to get to the point where they're active a little later in the day, so you don't have to be on the river at 5 o'clock in the morning. Right, to be up there so early. Pretty active all day. So if you were going to pick any of the places that you know about over the next week and do some fishing, give me a couple spots and how you'd approach them. Uh, My favorite spot in the park right now is the St. Vrain in Wild Basin. Uh, That's fishing great, just right up above Wild Basin Trailhead. Um, and I'd just fish that with an ant or a beetle on top and dropping it with a little pheasant tail and moving pocket to pocket. Um, the canyon, I would fish near the tailwater, tiny midges, little uh, copper-ribbed RS2s, and little mayflies above that. And on one last question, then I want to get your contact information. Are you starting to see those browns chase streamers on the Colorado? I haven't seen that much yet, but it should be pretty soon here. Because that can be phenomenal when that right. starts. That's just, and that's almost like bass fishing, where you're beating that right up against the bank, and it's kind of a a unique presentation. A lot of fly fishermen have trouble really working a streamer, don't they? Right, they're so used to dead drifts. It's hard for them to give something action. 
Yeah, and, and even, you know, the big hoppers right now and stuff, it doesn't hurt give them a few twitches, not just count on a dead drift. I think sometimes uh, fly fishermen, like you just said, they get so used to letting the river make the presentation, right. they forget to visualize and maybe sometimes give it a little action, especially on the high mountain lakes. Right, I learned that from you. Well, it's hard to believe you learned anything from me, but I'll take credit. But, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun fishing. And, folks, if you want to see a lot of the trips that Kirk and I have been on, just go to um, the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. There's probably half a dozen shows there. But the important thing is if you want to get up, catch some fish, and learn, just a great set of guides and a great operation, Kirk, why don't you tell them how, where you're located, how they find you? Uh, we're right on Main Street, Nessus Park, right across from Bond Park or the library. 230 East Elkhorn is our address. Um, and you can look us up at kirksflyshop.com. And our phone number is 970-577-0790. All right, my friend, it's really good to talk to you. And, you know, one of these days we're just going to have to take a half a day and go out in the water. We just need to go fishing, yeah. yeah. That's what we need to do. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad things are well, and thanks for that update. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Kirk from Kirk's Fly Shop. You'll never meet nicer people. I mean, we try to have good people. We we have guides on this show, you know, Chad guides, Ronnie guides, Nate and his crew, Will, all those guys, their guides, uh, Brad Peterson guides. We just have a a number. uh, Austin Parr, who was on today as a guide. And we try to really associate with people. Bernie was on. It, you know, you can't always guarantee fish, but to guarantee these guys are going to help, they're going to teach you, and you're going to have so much fun with them. The education alone is worth it, but they're good people, and they're going to take care of you. So, you know, get out there. You'll learn so much fishing with a guide. It just accelerates your learning curve, and you get so much information, and they focus, and they take care of you. It's a great investment. We're going to wrap things up today. We're going to be back here next week. We should be from 9 to 11 every week from now on. Uh, We could get preempted every now and then for a game or something, but we'll be here. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. The best thing you can do to keep track of the show is to go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You're going to get information on there, how to win the ice fishing trip with Nate and I. Remember, go to 104.3 The Fan or stop by at Sun Power Sports. Register. You got till September 1st. One lucky person is going to win a trip for two ice fishing with Nate Zielinski and me, and it's going to be a phenomenal trip. We're going to have so much fun. Also, pay attention to the Facebook page. We'll remind you that in a couple weeks, we're going to have a waterfall day where we're going to still talk other things, but we're really going to dedicate some time to the waterfall hunting. Thanks for Kyle for keeping us on track, for Karen for keeping me off the streets and kind of coherent at times. She runs this show. Don't ever get any idea that I have anything to say. She's the brains behind it. Join us next week on 104.3 The Fan.